Welcome to the MetaZen Cabinet, where we get experimental about exploring your potential so you can discover your own values, the manner in which you're here to serve, and align yourself with the only certifiable rescue team you can rely on, yourself. Episode 10, Power of Vulnerability. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Medicine Cabinet. I just want to thank y'all for coming back and showing love and sticking in and joining in for this new episode. In this new episode, we will be talking about the power of vulnerability because, let's face it, we need that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? We can't be robots just trying to walk around and being vulnerable, so... We're going to definitely get into that today. In the first segment, we'll be talking about the value of vulnerability and just why it's important, why we need it. In the second segment, we'll be talking about the enemy of vulnerability, which is invulnerability. And in the third segment, we'll be talking about how we can practice vulnerability on a day-to-day basis, or on a daily basis, rather. My key intention for this episode is to speak to the notion or the belief that so many of us have is that we can go through life and thrive without having to be vulnerable. You know, we can survive, we can do pretty much anything, but we can have thinking we can actually thrive without vulnerability. Thinking we can actually be leaders, successful leaders without vulnerability and that just isn't the truth and if you think you are you might not know yourself as well as you think you do so either way this episode will definitely be talking about vulnerability and vulnerability and all of the above so let's jump into it oh yeah before we do that if this is your first time listening and jumping in with us welcome salutations and if you're coming back what's up kids <laughs> wanted to throw that out there because you know i gotta greet y'all and greet you at the door and let you know what's up and just let you know that i do have manners and yeah i just wanted to show you love and show you appreciation like i always do because without y'all this don't happen without listeners it's just noise. It's just sound. And y'all help bring it to life. So I appreciate you. Now let's get into it. Renee Brown said, Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. The experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. I love this quote because it speaks to the truth, in my opinion, that it's so important to be able to own your story and own your life experience. Not being able to own your story sets you up to run from love, to run from 
belonging, run from relationship, run from trust, and essentially, and most importantly, run from yourself. I've had so many hard and dark and harsh experiences, you know, throughout the course of my life. But then again, we all do. And it's important to be able to gather and collect and take your life experience to, you know, motivate yourself and motivate others and to give praise to the fact that you made it, that you overcame it, that you're still here. Whether you're happy about it or not, you know, is important, but the most important thing is that you survived it. And it takes guts. It does take bravery. It takes nerve. It takes uh, an openness to be willing to be vulnerable and share or be vulnerable and be open and claim the things that happened to you. But it's important to be able to take ownership over what happened to you without equating your worth and your being with what happened to you. I hope that makes sense. In my opinion, I feel like vulnerability is so valuable and important because vulnerability enables trust. It's hard to trust anyone that can't be vulnerable with us. You know, we can admire people that may be strong or even sometimes too strong or, you know, someone might be a little too weak or come off too weak or, you know, Gambia, however they say it. <laughs> but it takes vulnerability to be able to trust someone. It takes us being able to look at you and see the imperfections in your makeup, to see the cracks in your armor that shows us you're human like us, that, that universal quality that you do experience sadness, that you have bad days and you know, you definitely don't want to be the person where people feel like you can probably handle a lot of things well, but, you know, to the fact that someone feels like you don't never have a bad day, do you? I mean, that can reflect good because it can show that you're well, because it shows that you're positive and that you're doing something right. But it's also important to be vulnerable just enough where people can see that you are sensitive, that you cry sometimes, that you get emotional sometimes, sometimes you get it wrong, sometimes you struggle, sometimes you feel out of control. Vulnerability is also important and valuable because it's hard to see ourselves and relate to people who are too strong. You know, growing up, my mom and my dad are, were, and still is to this day, uh, very strong people, very strong personalities, very, uh, I mean, depending on how you look at it, you know what I'm saying, it can be very intense in their own ways, but very strong people. But at the same time, growing up under strong people, I didn't always have that room to see either of them be vulnerable or not have the answer or not what to know what to do. And I feel like oftentimes you grow up and, you know, so many of us have those experiences where it's like, you know, I grew up with a single mom and my mom strong. My mom, you know, she, you know, I never not saw her not know what to do. And we have that encouragement. We have that exposure. We grew up to be people that feel like we're incapable of being in a place where we should not know what to do. So if we ourselves get into a situation where we feel like I don't know what to do, we feel weak, we feel powerless, we feel like we're nobodies. And you need that time to not know what to do sometimes. You need that time to 
struggle. I do, I, you know, I get where a lot of people come from where they may say, well, when you're a parent, you can't let you see, your kids see that you're struggling. But I feel like in the end, to some degrees, you should. Because in growing up and showing your kids that you're too strong and they're not getting to see that balance in you, they, they're seeing a person not making room for their upsets, not making room for their downfalls, and they grow up to become, some, become someone that does the same. And that sets them on a traje- trajectory of not processing their feelings effectively and not getting the most out of their life experiences. Vulnerability is also valuable and important because it allows you the opportunity to transmute someone's pain or fear or doubt into strength, courage, and confidence. You know, you being able to share a similar experience where you struggled and didn't know what to do, you didn't feel in control, but you pushed through. You know, it gives them that energy, that fuel to keep on going. So many of us, we become discouraged and we become so deeply discouraged that we become inundated and our ability to problem solve and our ability to press on and keep on going becomes compromised. And a lot of times it takes the people around us to, it takes us being able to draw from the strength of the people around us so we can reconnect those wires, reconnect those pieces that made us problem solvers, that it gave us the courage to keep going forward. And vulnerability is like the vessel to do that. You know, you could be having a bad day, but talking to someone else that went through a similar process, or they're probably going through something that's a lot worse than you are, but they're handling it pretty well, and they're pretty good spirits, and, you know, them paving the way with that vulnerability, it, you get to draw from their strength. You get to borrow some of their power or just borrow things that you may not possess at the moment because your discouragement has, you know, like I said, compromised your ability to figure out the issue that you're having or uh, stopped you on the road to pursue whatever you're pursuing. So you're no longer walking, you're just standing still in one place trying to figure out what's going on with you. I personally feel like every significant or important relationship that you have in this life, depend, the success of it depends on your ability to be vulnerable and empathetic with someone. If you're not able to be vulnerable and empathetic and, you know, with a nice balance, then, you know, a lot of times things aren't going to work out. You might have had that experience already where you may struggle to keep friends around because... They feel like they share more than you do. You know, they feel like they're always sharing this and sharing that and you never do. You know, you're not very intimate or vulnerable with them. Or, you know, they feel like they're very respectful and aware of your experiences when things are wrong with you and you are sharing. But when it comes time for you to return the favor, you can't quite always empathize and identify their experience and effectively put yourself in their shoes. So I feel like vulnerability is definitely one of two very important skills when it comes to creating healthy and maintaining healthy relationships with anyone. Like I was saying before, the only reason, well, a couple of few reasons, but two that really comes to mind. One of the one of the main reasons I learned about the importance of vulnerability was growing up with parents that I felt weren't always emotionally balanced in how they moved. You know what I mean? It'd be that thing where 
they're cool, they're happy, or they're angry. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no in-between for sadness. And, you know, I noticed that even as a kid, you know, there was many times I was feeling sad, but I noticed my, I never really noticed my parents feeling sad. It was usually just like, you know, you're medium, you're great, or you're angry. <laughs> and I was just wondering, like, why can you never get to the point where you can at least be sad before you get angry? So, you know, maybe you can do it differently. Maybe if you had a chance, you had a chance to cry about whatever was wrong, you wouldn't have to just jump directly to being angry. Like growing up, I could see, you know, I could see them, you know, lose a table or TV or the repo man come pick up something. And instead of processing the, the situation, you know, mama just become a little bit more mean around the house. You know, she's a little meaner than usual for the next few weeks to a month or daddy's lecturing a lot more. And just, you know, essentially they're taking their stuff out on us and not particularly working through that and that just I noticed that pretty early and it was just you know they always seemed off you know I was a kid that watched lots of TV and movies and different things like that too and you know when you watch other people you know I've seen movies or you know shows where you see the parents get emotional in front of their children or you know kind of break down and sometimes they don't know what to do and I always wonder like why my parents don't do that, you know? And, you know, I don't, I, at the time, I couldn't understand the emphasis that or the philosophy they had about being strong and not showing emotion and not showing weakness and different things like that. But just, yeah, just watching different shows and different TVs and reading books and different things and just seeing everybody else kind of have this outward display of emotion. I just kind of noticed my parents differed in those ways. So that pulled me to their coattails. You know, I also noticed that there was just a lack of openness and empathy between both of them. You know, they can hear what you had to say, but they can never quite identify with your experience. They only could were, they only focused on their experience and focused on how they felt and what they wanted and prioritized their feelings and their what they wanted above all else. So I noticed that inability to empathize and put themselves in someone else's shoes and or that ability to be open. Every time I had questions about different things that I wanted to know, as grown folks be just don't worry about that and just everything was super private and super secretive and this and that and and I feel like a lot of us grow up in those kind of situations where, you know, you have parents or guardians or people that want to know everything about you and want to know what you got going on. But, you know, they don't want to share those things. And, you know, a lot of parents feel like, you know, those are kind of situations where, you know, you're not my equal. I don't have to tell you anything. I don't have to share anything. And I think a lot of kids grow up with that thing of, well, I don't have to tell you anything and I don't have to share anything with you. And, you know, it just really gets the relationship off to a bad, rocky and rebellious start because there's never no respect. And when someone moves in that way they're trying to build trust through compliance as opposed to being trusted and respected and i think it's a difference but in watching them i did learn that when you don't make room inside for sadness you wear it outside you know i learned that very early that when you don't make room for not feeling good or when you don't know what to do when you're hurt 
You wear it outside. You become meaner. You become more aggressive. You become a lot more impatient. You become a lot more uh, rattled. You become a lot more fragile. And everyone around you suffers. I spent a lot of time growing up and, you know, always just trying to act as I got older, you know, wanting to ask more questions to just understand that train of thought. Like, what happened to you? What happened to you that made you be this person? You know what I mean? I, I'm 32 now and I've never seen, you know, my dad cry. I've never seen him even get emotional, really. I've seen him lose a brother. I've seen him lose a father. I've, you know, seen him lose businesses, lose homes, and, you know... He's definitely the stoic, the stoic type and different things like that, but I've never seen that emotion anywhere. It's always kind of been like a stone cold quality. And it always inspired me to kind of go the other way and to be a guy or to be a dude that more or less wears my heart on my sleeve. And that means I have to be take, willing to take the risk of people calling me emotional or calling me soft and calling me this and calling me that. But one thing I'm not or won't be is in denial. One thing I won't be doing is not taking ownership of my pain or, you know, walking around in shame and aging in shame and pain and just not having any agency over my experiences. Same way with my mom. You know, we've had a few conversations, quite a few conversations over the years where I would ask her, like, why are you so miserable growing up? Like, why are you so mean? She'd be like, well, you know, y'all kids didn't want to do what I said and y'all didn't want to pay attention to me. And it's like, nah, ma, it wasn't like that. Like, it, <laughs> it might have been that to a degree, but, you know, it, you know, it was just more or less a thing. This was here before we came along. And, you know, it's that, thing of what's your bag like what what's the problem what you know she always had that reputation of the meanie the mean auntie the mean cousin or the mean family member don't nobody want to cross her don't nobody want to you know ask with her and it's like like mama where all that comes from like you know what happened with you you know she kind of played off and don't really want to talk about it and you know, I had to respect her distance and respect her responses, but again, I had to take notice that, okay, this is another thing you won't do, because if you do this, you'll turn out the same way, you will be miserable, you won't be happy, you'll be angry, super aggressive, and a lot of that still ended up happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? But definitely not to the degree that both of them, you know, had going on. And I'm grateful for that. I'm definitely grateful that they were who they were to me at the time because it pointed out so much uh, to me emotionally and psychologically what I don't want to do and what I don't want to be. So, you know, as hard as it probably was as a kid to stomach and tolerate and deal with, it was the best thing for me because it took it made me leaps and bounds above children around me, you know, because it grew my sense of emotional intelligence, my emotional acuity. And it really makes me the person that I am today because I had those experiences so early. I recognize a lot of those things so early. And I feel like when we're able to analyze our role models or the people that we grew up around and learn a lot of what caused them pain or the behaviors they're displaying and what to do and what not to do. It definitely sets us up on 
of the better path. And a lot of that starts with being vulnerable. You know, growing up, I grew up in a traditional environment. Boys don't cry, boys don't this. Boy, you being soft, and boy, you being this. And it's just like, yeah, I can get out of that, but all y'all that's miserable. And I, you know, being strong and being hard is walking around and being miserable and just kind of having that gray cloud over me all the time. Then I gotta go the other way. I gotta risk being emotional. I gotta risk wearing it all on my sleeve. And I just gotta do it on my own terms because I don't want to go up and beat on man that's super composed or super stoic and all this other stuff. And I'm not in control of me. And that's always been my goal, self-control. So I hope I've given you some ideas of why vulnerability is valuable. And hopefully as we go forward, you know, we can deepen that understanding and you can implement that more into your being. So, so just take time to think about it. In segment two, we'll be talking about the enemy of vulnerability, which is invulnerability. And we'll just be talking more about why or how it can be dangerous to practice invulnerability in your day-to-day life. So let's jump into that. Let's go. Patrick Lencioni said, remember teamwork begins by building trust. And the only way to do that is to overcome our need for invulnerability. I love this quote because it speaks to the fact to me, it speaks to the idea that a lot of us have been through hard issues of hard things and we still desire teamwork. We still desire connection. We still desire relationship. But in the same token, we carry ourselves in a way where we carry ourselves in a seemingly invulnerable way. And in coming with that sense of invulnerability, we're going against the very thing that we're coming into the situation to get, which is understanding or belonging, joy and care, access. But we can't, we delude ourselves and do ourselves a disservice because we're coming with the understanding that we can get it on our terms and, you know, the person, other person can pick up the pieces or get whatever's left. And that's not how teamwork works. In my experience, I've learned that trying to be invulnerable, it misaligns the heart and the mind. You know, trying to carry yourself like you're invulnerable and impervious, you train, you numb the heart. So all the wisdom and power of the heart is numbed and frozen and it's cut off and and it's inaccessible to you. And you distort the mind. So now you're living in a world where your heart and your mind is connected because you cut off your feelings. You cut off your need for connection and cut off your need to be in relationships. So you've pretty much ran away from trust. You've ran away from love and you've run away from all the things that you probably feel might have hurt you or caused you pain in the past, but now the worst part is you don't get them. 
you stand to yourself now, but since you're not getting them from nobody else, you're not giving them to yourself either. Two, I feel like you can't really take advantage of something that's very valuable. I talked about it a little bit in segment one, but internalization. Internalization is your ability to draw from or, you know, receive a strength from another person that's around you that you may not possess at the moment. But when you're moving like you're invulnerable, the, your ability to internalize it becomes distorted. And now you're absorbing the bad. You're absorbing the weaknesses. You're absorbing the insecurities. And you don't have yourself aligned and set up to draw the uh, draw from the value, to draw from the courage, to draw from the positive, to draw from the things that will expand you and open you up. Instead, you're absorbing the things that will poison you, that will shrink you, that will delude you, distort you, and devalue you. I feel like one of the things that have made me, uh, that has made me so such a better student when it comes to being in a relationship with other people, but also growing in my reality and in reality, uh, you know, our reality we all share, the world's reality, if you will, is my ability to learn and internalize from other people, to be able to pay attention to all the people around me and learn from what they're going through, how they solved it, how they didn't solve it, from their attitude, from their lack of attitude, or, you know, from their character or lack of character, and just putting myself in the student seat in my chair, but also, you know, asking questions. You know, people can sometimes feel like you're bugging them or getting in their beats a little bit, and, you know, when that's the case, I can back up, but yeah, more than anything, I feel like a mistake that we all can make. I've done it so much. I used to. Uh, sometimes I still do, but not as much as I used to. It's just trying to focus on our own timeline and not learning from others. You know, we go through what we go through and we develop these negative, tainted, distorted generalizations about life and how life works. And, you know, we develop these sensibilities that, you know, it's not going to get any better or no. Uh, he's going to keep doing this. She's going to keep doing that. And it's just not going to get any better. We pretty much prophesize our futures and we give up on ourselves and we give up on what we're here to do. So now the world is suffering because you're giving up on yourself and we can't have that. And also, like I was saying before, people don't respect people who are... People don't respect people who are invulnerable. You know, there are invulnerable people, uh, leaders who try to come off invulnerable and impervious like they can't be affected or they can't, you know, reveal any weakness or reveal that they don't know the answer, don't know what to do. And you still want people's trust in you all the same. And it doesn't work that way, you know, and become someone who builds relationships on compliance as opposed to trust and you know, respect. I feel like a lot of parents make the mistake of trying to raise their children in out of compliance, out of, as, in, uh, as opposed to trying to trust and respect them, making them feel respected and valued. You impose your will. You try to do it with sheer force. You try to be domineering. And when the child grows up to do and be the same thing, you're surprised and you're disappointed and there's something wrong with the child because this child didn't grow up to be a rose and your forceful 
compliant garden. <laughs> Same thing happened in my household. You know, my parents raised so many kids and, you know, a lot of times I could see that they wanted respect and they wanted to feel valued and respected, like their voices heard, like, you know, we respected them as authorities and leaders and different things like that. But, you know, I feel like a lot of adults, a lot of parents, a lot of people, kids included, but a lot of parents can definitely make the mistake of thinking that your respect matters only and that the child doesn't need to feel respected because you're paying the bills and you're housing them and feeding them and what you're doing is making this human being feel inferior and feel like the only value that they have is that you're affording them food and shelter and then when they don't do what you want them to do be who you want them to become and you know act the way you want them to act you're disappointed because you wanted to try to influence them and quote to mentor them with force as opposed to competence, as opposed to warmth, as opposed to being personable, and as opposed to using ownership. So many of us grow up in situations and households and environments where we can go our whole childhood without feeling needed. And we become adults and we don't know we matter because we never had that experience with feeling needed. You know what I mean? Growing up, I didn't have a lot of that experience of feeling needed. Now, if I got straight A's on my report card, then, you know, the calls would ring out across the family or, you know, you know, got this honor, got the, you know, National Honor Society or this kind of trophy or, you know, the different accolades. Then I would hear peeps of my worth, but it wasn't in the kind of fashion that made me feel valuable all the time. It was more the fashion of my kids get straight A's and my kids, you know, I'm the shit because my kids get straight A's. And, you know, as opposed to feeling valuable and feeling empowered, I felt like, you know, some type of diamond necklace or, you know, a Rolex to be kind of sport and flossed, <laughs> you know, as opposed to, you know, you got straight A's, you know, that was, that was bomb, that was dope. And, you know, like I tell you, you're brilliant, you're smart, you're beautiful and those kind of things. And doing really a lot of that. And I feel like it's important to make people feel needed, whether it's a parent with a child, whether you're in a marriage or in a relationship, whether you're at work and you have employees, you know, just telling your employees that I need this from you, I need that from you, I need this from you, and I need that from you, it's not going to be as effective as telling them like, you know, Eddie, I want you to throw this party because I know you have a connection with people and you have an eye for detail that will make the party soar. You know, I want you to throw the party because I know that you're going to make sure everybody's okay and that everybody has what they need and that they're enjoying themselves and you're going to, you, you love to serve. So I want you to throw the party as opposed to throw the party and just, you know, here's the budget and do this, 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 and that. And then, you know, it's just impersonal. But when you make people feel needed, you create that access to their feelings, to their potential, to their performance and what they're able to give in a relationship. And I feel like when you're carrying yourself in a manner where you're trying to be invulnerable, you close yourself off from that access to other people's potential and what they're able to be for you, whether, you know, and they're being good to you because you're shut off yourself. And a lot of people, 
you know, like I mentioned in the other episode, they only, they, most people match energy. You know, if you don't do it, I'm not going to do it. If you don't come with it, I'm not going to come with it. And I think that could just be a little lonely. Actually, I know it could be pretty lonely. And I just don't think it's a positive or healthy way to live. As a kid, I was teased and bothered and just teased a whole lot because I was very sensitive and I was a different kind of kid, you know. I, I played with dolls, I, you know what I mean? I just didn't do things that normal little boys do. And, you know, I was bullied a lot. And, you know, as a response to that, I always tell my parents or tell my mom, like, mama, they did this, mama, they said that, mama, they called me this, mama, they called me that, they said this, you know? And it got to a point where it started to build up. You know, she used to, you know, she would have my back and, you know, she disciplined them, cut it out, don't say that no more, don't do this no more, don't do that no more. But it got to a point where one day, I remember I was like about maybe eight years old and, you know, both my parents called me into that bedroom and they were watching TV and I saw Richard Simmons kind of on TV working out with a bunch of women. And, you know, my dad was like, I want you to watch TV for a second, son. I'm like, okay, cool. So, Watching TV, I was noticing Richard Simmons, and I wasn't familiar who he was at the moment, but I could see him. You know what I mean? I had no awareness, and I could see him. And after a few moments of watching, you know, they were both like, you know, we see the route you're going down, we see who you're becoming, and right now you're reminding you're reminding us a lot of him, and we want you to see this because this is how you're coming off, and. We know you love us, so we know that if we bring this to your attention, you'll do what you have to do to change, and you know, that kind of thing. And it was just really just, you're talking about like a low, humiliating, like, conversation. And it made me shut down a lot. It made me sad. It made me feel a prisoner. And it was definitely one of very many very many experiences that just made me want to carry up and become an adult because I felt like emotionally, psychologically, I'm not safe. And whatever I'm going to become, I don't know what the hell it is, but I just need to hurry up and get older and become an adult so I can make my own decisions and I don't have to be at no one's will. No one has the right to impose their will on me. It made me feel like shit a lot as a kid, but the great thing as I got older and got to see it differently was that it showed me that people who deny their emotions, deny their feelings, they thrive, they think they thrive on being invulnerable, and people who try to act invulnerable thrive on the convenience of vulnerable, vulnerable people. And that was a situation where I learned that people, family, Parents can know, I mean, can know or use your shame and your weaknesses against you to serve them. Now, as an adult, I'm able to, a lot more able to empathize with them. Like, I definitely don't want to share this to, you know, make them seem like, you know, bad parents or they're terrible people or whatever like that. It was a terrible experience. But as an adult, it revealed to me that their childhoods must have been even more sad and more drab and more unloving and more soulless than mine possibly to grow up and to do that to somebody, especially a child. So as a kid, it made me hate them a little bit. I can't lie. It made me resent them greatly. 
But as an adult, it made me pity them a little bit. It made me sympathize and empathize because I can't imagine what kind of love or relationships you must have had growing up as a kid that made you be that person, that made you behave that way. It was also one of those experiences that showed me that you know, there, like Yama says, there are no sacred cows when it comes to loving and respecting yourself. I know so many people that have that drink, you know, drink themselves to death, smoke themselves to death, do bunches of destructive stuff because they don't want to share and admit things that happened to them or share that their parents were probably unfit or shitty or just or parenting or whatever. And, you know, early on, I kind of got relinquished from that thing of just kind of being able to be more honest and raw about my experiences and learning that, whether I'm talking about my mom or my daddy, my grandma, my brother, my cousin, a friend or whatever like that. If I was treated wrong, I was treated wrong. If I didn't, if I didn't like it, I'll share that. You know, there's lots of bears of, you know, that's your grandma, that's your mom, that's your dad. And I just, you know, I didn't have that because, I was groomed and trained earlier, you know, unconsciously to focus on my feelings. If they, you know, if they love you, they'll show you. If they make you feel honored, they'll show you. And if they don't, then, you know, that matters too. Also had an experience with my biological mother, you know, uh, actually found her and, you know, some of my brothers two years ago. And, you know, I actually had quite a, I had quite a few conversations with her over the years. and. I pretty much got to that thing of, you know, if I wouldn't have found you, would you have found us? And, you know, she was very much so slow about talking about it. And she was like, nah, pretty much, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she pretty much, and getting to know her, I saw a lot of this cold, detached, you know, I only look out for myself. And, you know, I was never your mother because I was only good at looking out for myself. And, that's just what it was. And you know, I went to that period where I was very disappointed about that and very hurt about that. But it also taught me, and depending on who you are, you might feel like it's a little sad or dark or whatever like that. That's, you know, that's your experience and this is mine. But it taught me that just because a person gives birth to you doesn't guarantee that you will have some magical bond with them. You know what I mean? I feel like so many children, so many adults out there are struggling and are in denial because they're waiting for their mom or waiting for their dad or waiting for someone to give them a love that they never gave them or to show up and be there for them or accept them and validate them in a way that they may never do. And now those people are at home sleeping and you're at home miserable, drinking, smoking, and doing whatever it is you have to do because that person can be vulnerable with you. That, ver that person couldn't be honest with you. That person couldn't empathize with you. And no, you didn't deserve that, but you do deserve love and love starts at home. A wise man said that charity starts at home. And now you have to be there for yourself. Don't put yourself, don't put your life on home waiting for the vulnerability of those people. You have to be vulnerable with yourself. If you can't be vulnerable with yourself, you won't be able to be vulnerable with other people. I see more and more people having children and it annoys me because you're having children and you're giving birth to human beings, and, you know, that you'll need to be vulnerable with. But you can't even be vulnerable with yourself on a real level. And now you're creating humans that will suffer those suffer from that. You know what I mean? They will be hurt from that. And... 
you know, there's no telling where that will take them in their development, you know, if you don't prioritize your vulnerability. You know, I feel like a part, a large part of this podcast and my being is to redefine masculinity because society, America, whoever would definitely like to hold being a man in this box where, you know, where we can, our value comes in being the wallet, comes in paying the bills and paying for the household and taking care of the wife and the kids and we're not allowed to really have any emotions, we're not allowed to feel our feelings, you know, that's for the wife, we're supposed to support our wife's feelings, if the wife ain't happy, the husband ain't happy, we're trained and groomed to come second or come last to everybody else's needs. And I saw my dad go through that a lot, you know, and feeling like his needs, his emotions weren't respected a lot growing up. And it just made me want to be a man that didn't subject myself to that kind of lifestyle, that kind of being, that kind of relationship where, you know, I can go out and pay the bills, do this, do that, and... A lot of times, the simple things that I want or whatever like that aren't going to be respected, aren't going to be valued, or me as a person or whatever like that aren't going to be valued. And that brought about that thing to me where it's like, I'm not living like that. I'm not doing that. I feel like a large reason why homophobia exists is because a lot of me, a lot of straight men can I feel a part of it, not, you know what I'm saying, not a total science, whatever, but just my pain, a part of my pain is that a lot of straight men can sometimes envy gay men because we have that green light to be vulnerable, to be sensitive, to be in touch with our feelings, to be in touch with the feminine part of ourselves and to have that balance where, you know, straight men are more respected for having that masculine energy. I feel like if we can make the world a safer place for them to be themselves, there'll be more love and more respect for everyone. Think about it. And in this last segment, we're going to talk about how we can bring vulnerability to our day-to-day life, how we can bring it into our daily routine, how we can just take it everywhere we go and how we don't have to just practice it situationally. So let's get into it. Veronica Tugaleva said, emotional pain cannot kill you, but running from it can. Allow, embrace, let yourself feel let yourself heal I love this quote because it again it speaks to my overall philosophy about life and and honoring yourself and being there for yourself and showing up for yourself you know I feel like it's important to make time to heal to bounce back to reflect to be introspective and to pay attention to yourself to study yourself to study your habits your thought patterns and your tendencies so many of us so many of us have this tendency to want to forge through life and leave a wake of unresolved pain and destruction and 
the distance or in your work, you know what I mean? Whether it's what you get in terms of what you get done in life or the relationships that you have. And I feel like a lot of your overall character and victory in life comes down to, you know, one, what you were able to get done while you were here. And two, the effect, the the effect, the effect that you had on people, what people say about you, what people thought of your time here, what people make of you. And that's the reason I feel like it's important to practice vulnerability daily, as often as you can. I feel like practicing vulnerability daily reinforces our need and deservedness of openness and empathy or um being able to be empathetic with others, you know, it definitely just reinforces that openness with ourselves. So as a result, we're able to be open and transparent with other people. Uh, one of the major, one of the values of this podcast is transparency slash vulnerability. You know, a lot of people might feel like sometimes I may overshare. There's no such thing. I mean, there is, but with what I'm sharing, it isn't because I see myself and God, I feel God is communicating with me in a manner where he wants me to use my experience, especially painful experiences, to be demonstrative so I can have ownership over what I've been through because so there's nowhere for shame to live. I feel like, you know, shame gets in so many of our way of, you know, in our way so much that, you know, we can't always act, we can't do, we can't think, we can't heal. I feel like practicing vulnerability on a day-to-day basis, it opens us up to absorb courage and strength from our environment and those around us. I feel like when we're being vulnerable with ourselves, when we're being honest with ourselves and honest and vulnerable with other people, we're able to, we're calibrating our systems, our spirits, our hearts and minds properly, and we're able to effectively internalize and draw from the experiences of people around us, whether it's our actual relationships or even in books or blogs or media. And most importantly, I think it's important to practice vulnerability daily because it's our own way of making sure we don't forget that we matter, that we're needed, and that we're necessary. You know, if you're not vulnerable with yourself, It'll be hard to be vulnerable with anybody else, but you deserve the vulnerability most because you are who you have to deal with. You are who you were blessed with. Your feelings, your thoughts, your talent, skills, your experiences, your past, your future, your present, your personality, your thoughts, all of it. Everything that makes you you. You are who you have to address every morning and every night. You are who you're responsible for loving first, last, and in the middle. So, you know, being vulnerable definitely sets you up to remind yourself and do your due diligence in reminding you that you matter, that you're included, that we need you here, that you're a valued citizen of the universe. I feel like not practicing vulnerability on a day-to-day basis, you set yourself up to settle for less because you don't know you matter. You don't always realize you matter. You settle for what you can get, what seems the easiest, what seems the most convenient, what satisfies your ego. And that's very short term. There's no real satisfaction or fulfillment in that. Just... I guess a poor mindset or survivor's mindset trying to live off scraps.
not practicing, you know, vulnerability every day. You also get out of alignment. Get out of alignment with yourself, taking care of yourself, taking care of what you need, what your values are and the spirit. You get out of alignment with your goals. You got alignment with your development and you just get out of tune with God in a way. You know, you always have a relationship with God. He's always here, but I feel like you know, when you get, when you're not being vulnerable, you're closing yourself off to everyone, including, you know, the universe who facilitates this whole thing, who makes all of this possible. There's many ways that I, that I use from time to time, but a few of the most consistent ways that I'm vulnerable with myself on a day-to-day basis is keeping one, keeping a journal, a journal that allows me to share my raw feelings and experiences. And it allows me to reflect and just be open and honest about who I am, what I want, where I'm going, what I've been through, what I want to learn, what I want to be, what I want to give, and what I want my legacy to be about. And being able to keep those kind of raw and honest feelings on a day-to-day basis, I feel like that sets you up to, sets you up for success, honestly. You know, I also have a, you know, a mirror talk thing that I do with myself. I'm trying to get it in a daily uh, flow, if you will, but most days, at least about five days throughout the week, I have maybe at least a couple, two, three minutes in the mirror where I talk to myself and I tell myself what I'm proud of myself for. I tell myself how I love myself. I compliment myself and I speak with a man. I speak in a manner like I'm in love with myself. And I am, but it's also something I'm still nurturing and growing within myself. But I have that time to talk in the mirror. I think I suggested this in a previous episode, but, you know, I really think it'll be healthy and fun. It might, it might be a little weird, uh, weird to you, but, you know, set a timer. Set a timer for one minute, two minutes, 30 seconds. Start small and tell yourself everything you want yourself to know in that, in that moment and by the, before the uh, timer runs out. And look yourself dead in the eye and... You know, you'll start to see yourself change. Tell even if you stand there the whole thirty seconds or a minute and tell yourself you matter or I'm enough. I'm enough. <laughs> you know, start anywhere. You know, if you can afford it, seek therapy. You know, some people have therapy once a week. My partner does. You know what I mean? Or you can have therapy multiple times a week. Maybe to speak to a life coach, and or you know, maybe just some type of professional that can help you open up and be vulnerable with yourself and you know creatively you know whether I'm creating these podcast episodes or working on music writing songs or you know whatever I find that that creative energy allows you to be your most vulnerable and it can also be substantial by raising your vibration so when you're creating you're being vulnerable because you're giving something that's purely you that's purely your thought your feeling your mind and of you you're giving birth and you don't get any more vulnerable and intimate than that so another thing i like to do you know what i'm saying almost on a daily basis if i can if i can manage it or, or uh, make the time is to create create somehow another thing that i would suggest is to get you find you some role models y'all know i talk about this a lot find people that encourage you and inspire you to be vulnerable you know, inspire you to be open, to be honest with yourself, to be self 
aware, you know, have many people, but Oprah and Mo, and you know what I'm saying, I think Oprah's one of them, but my top one at this particular time is definitely Gala Van Sant. She has phenomenal books. She has the Fix My Life episode that I go back to periodically just to go back and listen to things. And she has endless gems. She has endless content on YouTube. She has something called the R Spy. She has just so much stuff that I just digest, you know, damn near on a daily basis. But she's given me such permission to be myself, to be honest with myself, to trust myself, to support myself, to be, how she says, self-full, to be unapologetic in filling my cup and being responsible for my cup. What's in my cup is for me, and what comes out is for y'all, but make sure whatever you do, you're filling your cup on a day-to-day basis, or, you know, like Oprah said, your cup is empty, it's dried out, you're complaining, you're miserable, you don't have, you know, gratitude in your heart. I think that was Lisa Nichols, but, you know, you get it. You know, Lisa Nichols is also very uh, prominent in inspiring vulnerability in me and being open and telling the truth and choosing a pure and positive truth. Because like I said, you know, a lot of us get caught on wanting to tell the actual quote-unquote facts or whatever and we get stuck in that loop and in that cycle of talking about what the actual facts were and we're not moving on we're not creating closure we're not making any gains we're not you know getting any clarity or insight because we want to hold the picture exactly the way it happened or in our minds because we feel like we're going to get some justice out of nowhere or you know the uh the perpetrators are going to get a slap on the wrist. They're going to come somewhere in five years or next tomorrow and just be apologizing for making us feel that way. And we can't wait for that. <laughs> you can't wait for that. You know, if I sat around and waited for all the apologies that I feel like I'm old, old, I will be old. O-L-D. <laughs> so I have to apologize to myself for letting myself go through that, for putting myself in those situations, for accepting those that treatment and feeling like I was less than and that I respected other people and what other people thought of me more than I respected myself. You know, those are things that I damn near give myself on a daily basis. Being vulnerable allows me to be a vessel and a bridge for other people to do the same. You know what I mean? So much of us, so many of us, we go through things and, you know, we just clam up. And then we, you know, while we walk around in all the shame, we're scared to admit we don't know the answer. We're scared to admit that we were embarrassed. And, you know, Oprah had an interview on YouTube where she's talking about, like, you know, I can't be embarrassed if my slip rip or whatever, or the bra strap showing. I can't be embarrassed because I know I'm not in a situation or a moment that no one else had. That's not, you know what I'm saying, hasn't had. And I want to have that same kind of courage. I want to have that same kind of vulnerability and openness. I want to be incapable of being embarrassed because I'm not going through anything no one else hasn't. 
I don't have to know the person for that to be true. I just know it's billions of us here and no one is not going through something that no one else hasn't gone through. So, and knowing that I know I'm not alone, so I don't have to put myself in solitude or isolation because I'm embarrassed that someone so lied to me and got over on $5,000 when people like, you know, <laughs> manipulated and used for that kind of money and more every day. It's just time to learn. It's time to tighten up the instincts. It's time to ask more questions. And it's time to be more present for you. I feel like some of the greatest and most courageous humans are people that are able to be vulnerable and open and honest about their state of mind, you know, their trials, their errors, their mistakes, and their reality. You know, so many of us try to stay tucked and hidden and don't want to share this, don't want to share that because we don't want to share, we don't want to come off like we may not know the answer, know what we're doing and know where we're going or, you know, have any idea about that. But, you know, the beautiful thing about clarity is the moment you said out loud, you know. And even if you spend a lot of time lying to everybody else, you know the truth. You were born with the truth. Your experience here is about getting back to the pure and truthful side of yourself. But, you know, we, get so, we spend so much time deluding ourselves with pain and shame and distortion. And again, I know, you know what I'm saying? You can just use up so much time. You serve so much energy not being truthful with yourself. You know, being truthful with other people is a stretch. You need time to work into that. Be honest with yourself. Practice being truthful with yourself because as you do it with yourself, it's going to start to ripple out here and there, little bit by little bit. And people will notice the changes in you that you're being a little bit more honest or you ain't never shared nothing like that before or you ain't never said or did nothing like that before. You know, I'm vulnerable the way that I am because I want to welcome people in my space that are just as vulnerable, if not more vulnerable or value vulnerability the way that I do. I don't want to, you know, inherit anyone that's super, super, super private. Even though I am private, don't get me wrong, like I'm vulnerable and I just share all my business. I'm actually a very private person. But when it comes to my experiences, when it comes to my pain, when it comes to my failures, you know, I want to be forthcoming. I want to be open. I don't want to be someone that wants to save face or you know, look like I'm, I, you know, I got it going or going on or that I'm stronger or more knowledgeable than I am. It's like, no, because if I find someone, if I see someone that's smarter than me or further along than me in my presence, you better know I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to ask questions. I need to know, how do you operate with that kind of confidence? How do you move the way you do like that? How do you be resilient? That lady was just yelling in your face and snapping out on you and, you were just so calm, collected, and just poised. Like, what do you do? Are there any books? You know, like, <laughs> you know, man, you just got to be willing and open to learning. Being a student, this whole thing is about being a student. So many of us spend our time following. But like Jim Rohn said, you have to be a student of life. You have to pay attention to your life. Like Oprah said, you have to pay attention to your life because your life is always communicating with you. Your ability to attract and your ability to attract and experience insights and ideas and your best ideas and your best insights and your best growth is attached to your ability to be honest and 
open with yourself. You know, so many people just waiting for the big idea that helped them get out of debt. And you're still lying to yourself about being in debt. You can't even say out loud, I'm in debt. It's just, I'm having number money's tied up. I'm having problems with money. You want this pure savior of an idea, but you can't even be honest with yourself. You can't be honest with yourself. You know, I feel like as people, as leaders, as citizens, the greatest thing that we can do when it comes to being in relationship, friendship, or business, or whatever with anyone, is being able to share an experience or a similar experience of something we struggle with and, you know, how we dealt with it. Or maybe you don't have to share how you dealt with it, but it's important for people to see people that come off strong, people that are strong, you know, strong people just share how they got involved, how I wasn't always rich or how I didn't always have it together, you know? And... I used to think that I was going to be someone where once I was completely successful and financially independent and rich and all those other things that I can share everything and share how everything went down. But, you know, God has been communicating with me in a way for years now where it's like, no, you need to share your experiences. You need to create a space where people can come in and share their experiences and be open and honest and, you know, the space can be built on that intention of purity and light and love and acceptance and you know that starts from home so that's what this podcast is about you know this podcast is about being transparent being empathetic and being accepting being accepting of our differences the things that make us different being accepting of our sameness you know we're able to relate to people that embody that sense of sameness it's you know, the people that want to be unicorns and, you know, that, that didn't happen to me or it happened to me, but it didn't affect me that way. Or, you know, it, just tell the truth because in the way, the way you are with your ego, I can see that you have something to hide and it shows. When you don't make the time to process your emotions, to process your emotions, you know, the say or process your sadness, you know, your mind throws it out the back and with the trash and it becomes a part of your external. You become meaner, you become more impatient. So make the time for your sadness, make the time for your misfortune, you know, make the time for your healing. Embrace whatever it is that you have to embrace so you can get to the next step and get to the next level because the only thing keeping you down is you. So get out of your own way. And like always, think about it. Hey, y'all. I want to take the time at this moment, and I'll probably thank y'all a couple more times, but I just want to thank y'all for sitting in with me and learning with us. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm doing this, I'm always trying to be in the mindset that I am sharing my experience. And even though I feel like I do have a greater handle on some things and others, that it's important to remain a student, to remain a beginner. Because as a student and as a beginner, 
I put myself in the best position to absorb and learn the most. I feel like a lot of times, you know, I put myself in situations where I know this backwards and forward. I know this so well. And when you know something so well, you stop asking as many questions. You stop being intrinsically curious about it. So, you know, with the different things that I talk about, you know, no matter how confident or knowledgeable I may sound, these are the things that I most need to learn. Like I said, the things that we talk about and share and teach are the things that we most need to learn. And that couldn't be any more true for me. So, you know, I definitely want to thank y'all. You know, like I said, I've been getting lots of good messages and reviews and love and fellowship and you know just people just stopping through and just showing love and just telling me how this content is needed and necessary and it makes me feel valued it makes me feel respected it makes me feel like what i'm contributing is noteworthy and that is always beautiful you know even if i didn't receive those things or those accolades i would still be pushing on because i know in my heart from the jump that what i have to give and what i have to say is of some importance, but I do honor and appreciate, you know, just the way this whole experience, you know, this is episode 10 and it's been a little bit over a month since I started the podcast. It's just been one of the greatest things I've ever done. You know, it's really no work at all. And I thought it was going to be a thing that was going to be challenging, but I'm just enjoying who I'm becoming as a part of maintaining this podcast as a part of growing it as a part of you know the research being a student and my coach of sharing and just everything that's entailed but you know more so about the episode I do hope that I was able to just show you why vulnerability is important especially to men I've been noticing that you know a lot more men listen to this podcast and I'm happy about that because I feel like mental health needs to be more of a priority in our lives you know we think that with enough money and enough cars and enough prosperity women men or whatever like that that we don't have to give a damn about the things that matter to us the things that happen to us the things that make us who we are you know we don't have to settle for relationships where we can't even cry or be emotional around our wives and our husbands or whatever like that because we'll be seen or viewed or experienced as less than you. you don't have to settle at your station in life because you know you only want to go to a certain extent or a man just needs to provide for his family and just all those traditional societal ways uh, defining your manhood and your personhood. Be willing to do it differently. Be willing to start over. Be willing to redefine masculinity for yourself because even though, you know, there are, you know, men, <laughs> excuse me, even though we're men, it doesn't mean we all have to behave and move the same way. I definitely don't want to be known for behaving and carrying myself like anybody else. I am my own man first. And, you know, I belong to a gender, but I am my own man first. And I speak up for me. I, you know, vouch for me. And I have to be my own person. You have to do the same. Women too. So embrace your vulnerability and explore the beauty of it. Anyway, 
Y'all know what time it is. And it's time for the era segment. And in the era segment, I want to call you to take action, to take massive action, and to make stuff happen. You are a creator. And if you don't know it yet, take an action will. You know, it took me to learn a couple weeks ago when watching a YouTube video by a guy named Quasi that was talking about, you know, clarity, uh, clarity only comes when we take action. I think I might have knew that a little bit, but it was just the way he was explaining the whole thing that was just like, whoa, cool, you know? Y'all excuse the hammering that you might hear in the background because my landlord is back being a nuisance as usual. So there's that. Now, the first letter is E, a fuse, meaning to pour out, spill out, or discharge. A fuse all the crap, a fuse all the nonsense that you tell yourself about why you're fine the way you are if you're not being vulnerable with yourself and allowing yourself to thrive or dwell in a space where you can share your most intimate feelings and heal. Affuse the people or, you know, uh, get rid of the people that are challenging who you are in your very nature. You know, you might feel like you might be in a space of feeling like you can't quite express yourself because the people around you are telling you that, you know, women don't act that way. Men don't act that way. Trans people don't act that way. Non-binary but don't act that way or you know this isn't how you're supposed to behave this isn't how you're supposed to move or if you want to look strong you can't tell them that you're struggling with this or you know if you want them to respect you you can't tell them that you don't know what to do or whatever squash all that effuse all that effuse those insecurities effuse the things that doesn't fill your cup effuse the toxic behavior that doesn't set you up to have a positive day. Like, just discharge all of it. A fuse. The next letter is R. Recapitulate. Meaning to sum up, summarize, or restate. Recapitulate that why you're in that relationship. Recapitulate why you're at that job. Recapitulate why you're friends with that person. Recapitulate why you allow your mom or your dad to talk to you like that. Recapitulate why you only let your brother or your sister call or show up when they want something or when they want money. Recapitulate the rules that you set in place when it comes to what's required for you to feel happy or required for you to go outside or for you to work out or for you to create. Recapitulate how much money you really need to live off of to be okay and how much you can probably invest, you know, to grow that passive income. Recapitulate your approach when it comes to speaking to your children and how you approach them when they're being vulnerable or being uh, being open and being honest with you. Recapitulate. And lastly, A, alleviate, meaning to ease, relieve, or switch. Alleviate that pain, alleviate that shame, alleviate all the things that are keeping you from dating. Alleviate all the things that are keeping you from moving. Alleviate all the things that are keeping you from choosing a better diet. Alleviate all the insecurities that you have that may make you feel like you're a weak or fragile man or woman. 
alleviate the workload that you're taking on when it comes to taking care of your family and trying to be there for everybody. Alleviate all of that stress. Alleviate yourself from all the excuses that you give yourself not to move on or not to have closure from all the bad things that have happened to you. Alleviate yourself from all the excuses you make about why you haven't started writing that book yet, about why you haven't started that YouTube channel yet, about why you haven't started that record label or that album or that fashion line or that business or that subscription service or that hair company. Alleviate yourself from all of those excuses. Alleviate yourself from the reasons of why you haven't cried since your mom and your dad died, your brother, your sister died, your friend was killed, you lost your house, you lost your car. Alleviate yourself from that shame and cry if you have to, or ask for help if you have to. Alleviate. So there you have it. A fuse, recapitulate, and alleviate. I definitely hope that you're able to take action on at least one of these words. Take action on one for 30 minutes a day, for five minutes a day, 30 seconds. Start as small as you, as small as you have to, to take action. Make it the most convenient because learning about myself, if it feels like it's going to inconvenience me or my day or my flow, then I don't make time for it. If I start out small, whether it's 30 seconds a day, you know, it gets easier. It took me with the jumping jacks. I've been doing jumping jacks every day for about maybe a little, almost three months now. And it started with doing five a day for about three, almost a month. And then it ended up being, you know, 10. And 10 for another few weeks or so. And just building it up until it became ingrained. Now I'm in that space where I can imagine going to bed or, you know, not <laughs> not doing them because I feel that thing in myself is like, what you doing? They're part of my night routine. So, you know, start small with these actions, but incorporate them. You'll definitely find that as you take more and more action, life will leave more and more clues. As Jim Rohn and quite a few other people say, success leaves clues. So you can't get the clues if you don't take action. You don't get the clarity if you don't take action. You know, I've learned a lot myself that you can't prepare and know everything that you need to prepare for before you get started. You know, you, that's half the battle. The other half is all the unexpected things and dragons and snakes and adventure and, you know, sleeping out in the wilderness and all the other stuff. Those things are just a part of the journey. You're just going to have to adapt. So, you know, you might come into the area of the terrain where you might have to change from shoes to boots. It might get start to get cold and you might have to change from a hoodie to a coat. Or whatever, but you will know what to do when it happens. But just take action. And lastly, like I said, I want to thank y'all again for supporting this podcast. If you have it in your heart to donate anything, please do so. The link will be in the box. That helps the podcast keep going, and I just appreciate it so much. In the next episode, we'll be talking about shifting your circle of friends or family and just the people who have the most access and influence on you and your development at this moment. So, you know, that's next week, and y'all don't want to miss it because we're going to get into it. And before I go, I just want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart. You know, you're perfect, and you're beautiful, and you're needed, you matter, your feelings matter, your vulnerability matters. 
Awards. And I want to thank you for supporting the Medicine Cabinet, where we get experimental about exploring your potential. Peace.